If all these stories have you wanting to go on your own adventure and you don't want to spend a ton of money and you don't want to take a ton of time away from work and family, I highly encourage you to check out Lost Travel Company. They do trips all over the country, everything from biking to rafting to kayaking, hiking, etc. And on each trip, there's an official start line and an official finish line, but getting between locations is totally up to you. However you want to do it, however you want to carry your gear, it's a total free-for-all in between. And, and, and it is a group trip, but they're very small groups. Uh, so you get to know people, but you can also easily practice social distancing. So a lot of the trips are still happening. And like I said, uh, they're very affordable, very easy to get out and go do because they have figured out a lot of the logistics for you, but it still leaves so much room for adventure to happen. And with each trip, they give back 5% of the total trip as a donation to the area where the trip is happening. So if you'd like to find out more, go to lost.travel and use the code ADVENTUREsports for 10% off any of the trips listed. If you're suffering from stress, anxiety, lack of sleep, inflammation, pain management, kind of like I am pretty much all the time, I highly encourage you to check out cocanacare.com. And that's C-O for Colorado. It's a Colorado-based company. Canna, C-A-N-N-A care.com. They make incredible CBD oil that's derived from all natural, high quality industrial hemp. It's legal in all 50 states and is USDA certified 100% organic. And there's absolutely no THC content in the oil. It's non-GMO and contains no heavy metals or pesticides. They've been gracious enough to help support us during this time. So if you're wanting to try CBD oil for any of those reasons I mentioned and a lot more on their website, I uh, highly encourage you just to give it a shot. Check it out. Go to CoCanna care.com and again that's co for colorado c-a-n-n-a care.com uh, i recently spent a night up a tree which overlooks the house and and i'm not even sure that was adventure right but it was still really fun and it was still challenging to get 10 meters up in a particular part of the tree with ladders and ropes and make it safe enough i had to bust my ass to do it this is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we hear stories of adventure from every corner of the planet. We interview all sorts of folks who are using their sport to explore the world around them and give you the inspiration you need to get out there and have some fun. Oh man, first of all, Y'all, I know there was two minutes of sponsor ads right at the beginning, and I just want to say, you know, if, if you don't like that, I'm sorry, but, you know, that pays the bills around here, and, and for months and months and months, we didn't have a sponsor, so it's great to have a handful of folks that are now wanting to sponsor the show, now support the show, so thank you to CoCanacare and to uh, Lost Travel. They're our new sponsor, and if you don't remember, we had them on the show last year to talk about you know starting the company it was kind of cool so it's really cool to see them come back and become sponsors i definitely encourage you to go on one of their trips i'd love to have an adventure sports podcast uh team to go on one of their trips one day maybe we, that's something we could all do together that would be awesome they're just really fun really exciting adventurous trips that that leave 
leave a lot of the adventure in your hands to figure out and they don't solve everything for you. So it's not this, you know, guided, padded, um, nice little buttoned up trip. You got to figure a lot of it out yourself and a lot of it is up to you to, to decide how to do it. So it's really cool concept and I'm excited to see them grow. Um, so please go check them out. Lost.travel. Um, and also getting into today's episode, so excited to talk to Bo Miles. Uh, if you don't know, he's he's primarily known as a filmmaker. So please, 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 I can't stress this enough. Go to his YouTube channel, watch his films. They're pretty much all under half an hour, most of them around 15, 20 minutes. And it feels like you spent a day with a guy when you watch a film. It's just an, I can't express this strongly enough here. Just an incredible filmmaking ability, credible ability to take you into the story and show you how to look at things in a new perspective. So I really encourage you to go check out those films. Um, we're going to be talking about how to have adventure in just a different way and seeing things in a different perspective. Um, for instance, I recently did this pretty much because I watched one of Bo's films and said, I got to go do this. I went sea kayaking the other day for the first time, rode across a, a bay, a pretty big bay uh, in the middle of the night. It was probably pretty stupid, honestly, because it come to find out when I got to this island with my buddy, uh, my, my kayak had a huge hole in it and I was taking on water the whole time. It was probably five gallons in it. And uh, that is not good in a kayak in the middle of the night. And we, 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 we ended up leaving after work, after the kids were we're in bed, my, my good friend Paul and I, you're going to be hearing a lot more from, from us because he lives pretty close to me now. And, uh, um, yeah, we get there, we sleep, um, on this Island, get up the next morning and paddle back in a storm. The wind was blowing, the waves were crashing. There were, you know, two fish jumped in my kayak. I had to get them out. It was, I saw a fin pop up, scared me half to death. I, I am not comfortable in the ocean. Uh, to say the least. So it was a total adventure. It encapsulated everything any of my three to six month adventures have ever encapsulated. And it was literally 10 hours, a 10 hour trip. Went out right when the kids went to bed and we were back at seven, eight in the morning, um, ready for breakfast. So it was a quick turnaround, but an awesome adventure. And I really ha need to start doing more of those because it'll be months before I do anything like that. And so um, Bo is, is kind of coming at adventure from that perspective too. He's done really big trips, don't get me wrong, month, month, multiple month-long trips, but he's starting to look at the smaller of things, the day-long events, the multiple hour-long events, or just a, you know, a weekend event as these incredible portals into the world of, of adventure. So I really encourage you uh, to check out the films, like I said, and uh, yeah. And, and also he has a book coming out uh, next year called Backyard Adventure, and uh, links for that's in the show notes too. But yeah, this, this intro has gone way long, but it's a short interview, um, short for us. So I'm going to take a little more time on this intro. So I hope you enjoy. hope you're inspired to go do something. And, and this week, do something random. Go go sleep outside. Go sleep in your yard. Go, go sleep. Turn around on your bed. Sleep the other way. Uh, just do something to change your perspective because it can really make an enormous difference on your mental health, on your happiness, and on your just overall satisfaction with life. All right, enough of me uh, attempting to give advice. Here's Bo Miles.
hey folks, welcome to the show. Having someone on that I, you know, I've been wanting to have on for a while. Um, just been, been been a fan on YouTube, been a subscriber for a while now. Uh, Bo Miles, Bo, welcome to the show. Mason, thanks for having me. It's uh, the Aussie US connection, mate. You're on one side of the world in one time zone, and here I am down here, down under, and uh, it's nice to be talking to an American. <laughs> I don't get that a lot, but uh, yeah, you're welcome, man. Uh, it's great. Well, to be I like talking. the I like I, I like you, Yanks. It's um, it's uh, I mean, I spent ten summers over in Vermont, and I and I really miss the place. You know, I used to be there every year for three to six months, and uh, yeah, I love it. I'm very fond of the joint. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, U.S. has got a lot, you know, and and, and I love talking. We've had a lot of Australians on the on the show. Australia is one of our top, I think, five countries with listenership of the show. And, and I honestly hear from folks all the time. I'm just commenting on stuff or on Instagram. So uh, I, I think this is going to connect with some folks that already listen. They'll be like, oh, Bo, I, I, we know Bo. Yeah, yeah right. but, <laughs> So that's cool, man. They, but, they should uh, tell me about him. I don't know myself very well. Hey. So I think it's it's funny, people people say that, and I think, well, you should give me a hand sometimes because I'm trying to figure myself out. Man, I tell you what, from your projects... You're you're doing some self discovery to say the least, especially that uh the human bean project. I I showed my dad that because I don't know we talk about beans a lot in the family just as a joke, um like you know for dinner we're just gonna have a can of baked beans or something. So I sent him your video and he he loved it. He thought it was just a, the craziest oh, idea. And so I'll tell folks a little bit about that in the intro. But man, I, honestly, I'd like to go all the way back. You said you uh. Before we recorded, you said you dropped your, your your kid off with your mom. So, so I assume you live close to close to home or close to where you grew up. Yeah, so I'm five kilometers between parents. So my parents divorced when I was a little thing, and uh, then they sort of one they sort of fragmented a bit. Well, mum did. Dad always stayed on the farm, uh, but mum's returned. She's come back. She's got a sort of a, a holiday shack just up the road. So I've got I'm. It's amazingly, I'm really lucky. I've got dad 5K down the hill and mum five kilometres over the other side of the hill. And, yeah, we've got these ready-made um, uh, babysitters that just love having May and we love them having May. So uh, it gets us, sort of breaks up our work week a bit because Helen works from home and, well, hell, uh, the whole of Australia is working from home at the moment. But, <laughs> right. um, yeah, so, got, yeah, got the little, yeah, I, I'm family-orientated and right smack in the middle of it. Man, that's awesome. Um, you know, I, I love talking to folks in your position just because I don't I don't know how it is in Australia, but you know, kind of the adventure. May, maybe it's just me, or maybe there's people I talk to, but the adventure culture here it, it's almost this pressure. You know, you get out of school and you and you go off on these adventures and and you go plant roots somewhere really incredible, really picturesque, really you know where your adventures take place essentially. And and I did that for a while. But uh, I recently, literally a couple weeks ago, moved back to basically be in your position. And so I, I, I love essentially talking to somebody a little farther down that road than I am. But uh, but yeah, man, so, so did, did you grow up, you know, you lived in this area. I know you traveled all over the world. What, what did you grow up doing? Did you grow up doing adventures? Did you have a family that encouraged that or, or did you just kind of have it in your blood? Well, yeah, you, I mean, you're not the first to ask this sort of, people really like to dig into your pre-adult life I think because you know if, if there's an ounce of inspiration out there in my storytelling people want to know where it comes from or where I where I get my inspiration from to do stuff and you know I mean the short answer to that is I have no idea uh, but the long answer would be or to start 
the long answer would be that, you know, I had an amazing childhood and growing up experience of just being a sort of, well, an absolutely regular kid. But I, I was always pretty curious, but I was never overly adventurous, not really. Um, you know, I sort of grew up on small acreage and dad is an artist, mum is a gardener, nurse and truckloads of cousins and lots of sort of family events and school was fairly pivotal you know I loved sport and school and and it was just it was an absolutely plain Jane childhood which was excellent you know it was there was no big shakes about it so look I think that the whole the the bug bit I think when um my stepmom and my dad and my mum and my whole family sent me or gave me the green light to go and study history in Israel and Germany when I was 17 and and that that was it that was my first time overseas and I went over there and my eyes were on springs and I thought wow this world is remarkable you know this is this is all the books I've ever read rolled into one in an hour you know it was it was incredible and uh it sort of untapped something and and there was no going back I hear I hear that a lot. It's 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 a simple experience, you know. You know anything that that Australian fire. What did it start with? It started with a spark, you know. And unfortunately, it went in the bad direction. But that's all it takes to to get this life going, to get kind of the trajectory heading in in the direction that you've followed. It is just an experience like that. So it was that experience at seventeen, um, just seeing a new part of the world, a place you'd never been. You know, then what? what? What started going from there? Did you just start taking more opportunities? And when did it start to turn into these uh, pretty wild adventures? Well, that's just it. You know, even now when I think about um, – look, I don't think I've done anything wild. I think I've been quite conservative my whole life still, you know. Um, I know that when, I'm, when I am taking risks, I feel it, and, I, and that's pretty rare. You know, I, I know that uh, for the most part I'm operating within my skill set and if I'm at the edge of that, I very much know it. And, and yeah, I, I don't tend to go there all that much. You know, I'm not that sort of thrill seeker that wants to be sort of a boundary pusher. Um, but then maybe, you know, and, and, and here's, here, herein lies the kind of conundrum of life. I suppose I lived with the uh, uh, world extreme skiing champion for a few few years, on and off. She was living with my sister and I was basically living on and off with my sister. And her name's Andrea Binning and she was – I'd go out snowboarding while she skied. And, man, she just – she was so incredible, you know. She'd do these pop-offs of cornices and cliffs and just a, an amazing skier. And yet she was just so damn good at it that that was her competency, you know. So I've come to realise too that, um, you know, if you sea kike a bit and you, you can go for a long run or you can build things or – You've just got a skill set, and when you operate within them, and sometimes you sort of nudge the edges, then um, you feel fantastic. You know, I suppose the difference is too. I, I tell stories about these things I go and do, so people think that it's that what I'm doing is far out, but in really, all it is is that I'm the one telling stories about it. I'm taking a camera with me because I think a lot of people do more remarkable things. I just don't tell anyone. That's a good um, point. That's a really good point. It, it really is. The the world is the oyster to the people who are willing to share it, you know, because I, I talk to so many adventures yeah. that th there's there's a, there's maybe one thing online about them they don't have any social and the longer you talk to them the more you learn and it's like this person's incredible but nobody knows them you know their family their there's a, their immediate family knows what they've done but that's it and and in a way it's it's great but in another way 
they're they're missing out on so much inspiration they could be spreading. Yeah, that's right. And look, depends what they're doing it for. You know, um, think of how many amazing people out there that aren't doing adventurous things. You know, they might just be great gardeners or. Uh, a good a, might be a good sketch artist or a doodler or they write poetry on their own or they who knows they they just do things they're a hobbyist of some kind and it's it looks good and it feels good and it's a wonderful hobby um i totally get it that that doesn't need to be anyone but your own um in some respects uh you know i i, I do respect a lot of people that do their own stuff for the for only themselves and so I worry about my ego when I go out on, and try and tell a story and think, well, who gives a dang about my story, you know? But I suppose it's become work and I enjoy that and people don't have to watch. So you think, all right, well, there's something worthwhile in that. And uh, you're only getting better at what you're doing anyway. So then the ego gets taken out of it, the better you're at it you get in a sense. And so that's um, that's a good thing. And that's why that's what I'm in the game of now. Yeah. That's also an interesting point about ego. Uh, you know, that's uh, it can it can start to get to you. But um, you know, speaking of sharing and getting you know kind of the word out there about your adventures, what 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 inspired you to start capturing what you're doing? Because because as folks know now, as they heard in the intro, you're primarily known uh, for I, I found you through YouTube, and I'm sure you hear that all the time. And you've got millions of views on your channel, and and you've done some cool things through that. What what inspired you to start? capturing it that way because I find a lot of people who love adventure maybe hate that side of it having to film stuff all the time yeah and you're not the first to ask that and it's probably the most poignant question really because I I get it and I'm with it (laughs) every time the question gets asked oh yeah it's a good point I could film a lot more about my my life and what I get up to and and you know I'm now in sort of partnership with a filmmaking buddy and and him and I and he's so good because he's he's lots of things I'm not you know uh he'll want to film lots and lots of things and he has a far more conservative approach I suppose whereas I'm sort of a bit more outlandish and a bit more uh impulsive but in terms of you know, does filmmaking get in the way of a great time outside? Or, you know, does it burst the bubble of being present in whatever you're doing? And I, I, I agree, absolutely. And so I sort of pick what I film now and I could film a lot more and make more films, but then your whole life just becomes a story of filming and chopping up and filming and chopping up. And I, I don't want to ruin it for myself either. I love times when I don't have the camera on me and that's, and that's, a, and that's more times than not, and I don't know whether I'd want it to be more times. Um, but I'm pretty good now with knowing when, when, it's, when it's work and when it's a story, and, and, you know, I'll shoot the heck out of everything, and that's kind of comes with the territory. And I'm only getting better at being more myself when I'm on as well, you know, when the camera's on. Right. That's great. That's a great answer. And, and you know, folks also know that um, you teach essentially what an adventure or outdoor leadership as well. You're a professor. Yeah, well, well, did <laughs> I? Uh, <laughs> yeah, the course the course was shut down in December. So, uh, with and me with it. So I could have stayed on at the university, uh, or potentially stayed on at the university and taught in other areas of sustainability education or or whatever. But um, no, I decided to leave and and be a full time filmmaker. So I'm just using the year to. Th- throw myself at that and get as much content up as possible, which is always slower than you think it will be, but it's coming along. Oh man. Was that hard to, to, to close the program out? 
It was it was horrible, mate. Yeah, I, I was either there as a student or as a teacher for the most of its life. It was a twenty year program, and I was there as a student for a couple of years, and then went off and did things, and then was as, as a staff member there for almost twelve years. So, um, I loved it. It was very much a part of. It is a part of my identity, and so it was quite a. It was a shattering day, and, and took a. It's taken a while to sort of get over that, but. Um, you know, I was pretty realistic about it, and I've seen it for what it is. And and uh, for now, you know, looking back at six months ago, it's great. You know, I'm I'm on a better trajectory now, and I'm 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 in for it. I miss outdoor education to be a professional in a world that's not just about putting myself out there. You know, um, giving back to students a bit more, or being part of a a community. You know, I'm not. I don't feel like I'm part of a community as a filmmaker. One iota. I feel like it's just me peddling my ego and going and doing great fun trips and storytelling but I've got to get over that too because there's worth in that so I'm maturing into this new role I've, I've become yeah I hate to hear that on one hand it sounded like such a great just an incredible first off opportunity but also just a program to teach young people about this and so yeah that's tough man what what, what do you think the things you've done and the things you taught and outdoor leadership has prepared you for pretty much the sudden ending of it, if that makes sense. You know, we talk about principles of leadership and stuff on this podcast, and then, yeah. you know, people people talk about adventure and want adventure until it happens to them. Yes. Well, that's good. Yeah, look, I, I've always, I don't mind adversity, um, in a sense. I, I kind of, in some respects, encourage it. I don't mind you know, I give blood not just because I think I'm an okay human, but I do, I do it too because I like the mortality of having my arm struck with a needle. You know, I think I don't mind injuring myself or cutting my hand if I'm out there working hard. You know, I I like to feel, I suppose, pain. You know, I'm not a masochist. I'm, I'm not going down the wrong pathway here, but I like the broad spectrum of life and I don't mind being pushed into a corner or when things don't go right. And so I, I think I took the news pretty well and thought, okay, well, this, this is going to happen and there's not much I can do about it. Um, so just move on. And and I'm a bit of a spilt milk kind of guy too. You know, once I realise that I can't have control over it anymore, then all right, I'm going to I'm going to work around it. I'm going to go get a mop and fix this or or whatever, you know, or fix what I can. So do you, do you think you'll be at a point that you'll be happy that it happened, or are you already there? Yeah, I think I'm there, Mason. I think um, definitely. I think I'm there. I, I, look, I still, I still miss the program, but then knowing that the program is really not in existence at the moment, it's limping through with, you know, a couple of great people that are still at the university under contracts to sort of see it through. But there's no one there. You know, it's a coronavirus lockdown, and and um, it's outdoor education happening on a screen. So it's kind of perverse anyway. So I'm glad they're doing that, and not me. <laughs> um, the poor buggers, you know, the poor students who are having to limp through this one sort of hybrid year they've been given, you know, it doesn't have an ounce of adventure in it. And they can read as many books and have a wonderful online content, but they're still not out sitting around a fire or paddling down a river somewhere and, and experiencing the world in another way. So, um, yeah, anyway, new chapter and, and I'm, I'm into it and the little baby's helping with that and uh, life's good. I don't know how it is for you, but for me, I can look at my son and think, I've got to do everything I said I would do, you know. I've got to do everything that I promised myself that I would I would do, so that he can he can see that and he can say that he can do it yeah. too, you know. 
Yeah, that's a really nice way of thinking of it. You know, we kids do that. They're the best perspective puller ever. And, and look, I'm new at this. We're, we've got a nine-month-old. I always suspected that I'd, when May came along, I could take a back seat on myself a little, you know, that I'm not the, the headline act anymore in my own world. And so uh, that's nice. I think it makes you your – well, it's, it's once again, it's just another priority puller. You know, you've got less time in your life. 168 hours a week now gets divided by essentially 1.5 people. You know, you and your wife, you share this other human. <laughs> and, um, right. and so you just got, you just got less hours. So you've got you to be poignant with what you do with your hours. And, uh, yeah, I don't mind that either. You know, that's – and you've got – you're so much more wealthy for it because you got this little bundle of, you know, human. It's it's awesome. It's uh, it's been great. Well, well, I, I would love to talk about some some of your choices of adventure. I, I, obviously, you've done just a vast array from every, everything from the hardcore, you know, thing that any old any manly man would want to do, all the way to these really bizarre, really goofy, if you don't mind me saying that, and just kind of kind of quirky thing challenges that you do. What what you, you, you've I've also seen you say you have millions of ideas, you know, thousands literally thousands of ideas. How do you start to want to pursue some of the things that you eventually do and then eventually make films about? Well I like the fact that you've got, you know, and, and I've I've sort of followed a trajectory of classic adventure down to this reinvention of it by my own means in a sense and when I say my own means that's that's complete that's trash too you know there's been so many people who have wonderful ideas across the years um I suppose um I really you know I am attracted to the quirky and the small and the sort of incidental ideas now more because uh one I can do more of them so it's more bang for my buck in this mm. hours hours of the week type thing Two, they make you sort of question uh, what what it is you're doing. And so when you, do, you go off on those big classic adventures, they're often gear intensive, they're often skilled, they're in faraway places. Freaking expensive too. They're freaking expensive and they tend to, I mean, they feel it. they're so privileged, you know, and, and I don't like to use that mm. word much, but I'm so, I'm a really lucky dude and I've, and I know it, but it's taken me 20 years of adulthood to really realise just how lucky I am. So I just want to do some more humble things that still are challenging and hard and critical and beautiful and and make me question things like wilderness or adventure or hardship or whatever. You know, get your melting pot of adventure, bung them all in a bucket and, and come out with something that's more simplistic, more sustainable, isn't expensive and I reckon that's a hell of a challenge, and um, that's what I've been trying to do. You know, like walking to work. You know, I I, I came <laughs> home with six bucks in my pocket. You know, I found fourteen dollars fifty on the side of the road, and that's what I ate with, and that's what. And that film's going to come out later this year, and I and I still to this day that's been my most revolutionary adventure. In that, that was thirty six hours of a really quite a challenging task. I came home with more money than I left with, and it was everything that you know, a five-month paddle around Africa in some respects gave me, you know. So the power of perception is epic, and I'm trying to follow that lead. You know, that, that I, I love that you mentioned that. I watched the the trailer for that one, and for folks that don't know, you, you essentially, your, your 50-kilometer commute to Melbourne, to the university, you decided to walk it one day, and you did the bare minimum. You had this 
this threadbare shirt, you know, just some basic pants, and you started off barefoot. Did you do the whole thing barefoot? I, I can't remember if, if you did. If you nah, did those, those are, yeah, that's a really good indicator of how soft and white my feet are. You know, I, my, uh, I, I lasted eight kilometers, and then I ended up having to walk on the white lines <laughs> uh, because they are the softest part of the road. And then when the white line ran out, I thought, no, I'm stuffed. So, um, <laughs> I had to get. I had a backup pair of shoes with one of the cameramen, so uh, that was it. But um, yeah, that and that was a wonderful trip, you know. Uh, yeah, walk to work. It took it took two days, or you know, I did it overnight, and it was just under ninety kilometers, or about fifty miles. And um, yeah, I, you know, I, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was, you know, I was sort of uh, exposed by the roadside, but the the it was it was an excellent experience, and in many respects, it was as hard as doing kind of a, a mountaineering route in some respects. You know, well, in one way, it's easier legit on paper. It looks easier, but I think there's something to be said when you do these adventures that doesn't have the culture and doesn't have kind of the encouragement behind it. You know, there's no guidebook for walking to work. There's a guidebook for Kilimanjaro for any mountain you want to do, any trail you want to do. And it's encouraged. There's people that's done it. You know, we moved to a place that really doesn't have this kind of outdoor culture like I was used to. And and honestly, the wilderness here, although not as daunting terrain-wise, it feels so much more daunting from from maybe a social support perspective. You know, walking along an interstate, a highway for 50 kilometers, that you have to feel exposed just like you would on a mountain in a way. Yeah, that's excellent. And you, Mason, you've nailed it with, um, you know, we often do adventures because they are encultured with us and we think that these are these are the sort of things that are going to tap us into ourselves. you know. In many ways, adventure and the genre adventure, particularly nowadays because we can Google everything, is it really is the search for the existential self. We're not looking for gold or a particular tree species, or not many of us anyway, you know, we're not we're not looking for the natural world as much anymore, or even to find another type of culture. We're looking for another kind of culture in ourselves. You know, this existential search of the self. And when you go off the rule book to go and find that, um, and and look, I, there's ten there's ten things a day that people could do that are completely off a rule book and no one's really ever done or thought of or done in the particular way you might be spinning it. And I think that's empowering. And the, and the difference is between, I suppose, myself and a lot of others is that I actually go and do these things. And I think a lot of people think them, but they think, ah, oh, no, because why would you do that when I can go and do a classic form of the genre, you know, uh, right. which is prettier and, and more accepted and, and still fantastic, right? But it's, uh, it's been commodified by that point and it's, it's different, you know. It's, it has different, different values to it. This might be leading, you know, too much into the film, but how did you, you know, this was when you had the commute, the the same commute every day. um, How did you look at your commute different after this experience? So was it, were you constantly saying, this is where this happened, this is where that happened? Because you're going to, you know, you're encapsulated in your car. That's, there's only so much you're going to experience. But out there, I mean, what, what did it make you see the normal in this unnormal, unnormal perspective? How, how, How did that change, if that makes sense? Well, they're still so different as well because you're dead right. A, a car is an absolute capsule. And one of the failings of a car, which makes them so brilliant, is that they really are a, a time machine in that you get in there and you and they're warm or cool 
and they have radio or music or your podcasts or, you know, and, yes, you've got to put your foot on the gas and get places and make make a few decisions to go left or right and put on the brake at a certain time. But for the most part, you've got your mind the whole time on whatever distraction you choose to distract it with, whereas when I walked to work or paddled to work, um, I, I couldn't really be distracted. I, I had to keep my mind on the, the landscape or the seascape or what was around me or what I, how I had to navigate things. And it was so different. It was so drastically different. So I, I certainly thought about it. You know, I, I've travelled those roads for years after because I actually filmed those, the walk and the paddle three or four years ago now. And then every time I'm in a car and there might be a little glimmer of, oh, there's the patch I, I passed or, oh, that tree no longer existed, blocked my way that particular time, you know. So I had little little flashbacks, but for the most part they were very different uh, commutes, so different to, to the point where they, they had very little to do with each other. Uh, and the biggest outcome of, of commuting to work via foot or in my little canoe was just how, gee, how, how much we've abused the world, you know, and I don't, I don't want to say that to be an activist or a greenie or a whatever, but you just see the worst of everything when you see it so intimately, you know, I everything bad ends up in water in some way you know all the trash bags and pollution and bad stuff ends up in a creek and it's the same by a roadside you know everything just ends up at the edge of the road that no one else wants you know which is just rubbish and tires and bags of nappies and you know it's it's um it's gross and you think gee well you know i'm part of this big human fabric of doing all these nasty things and you don't see that as much in the car and i saw it a lot on foot or in my boat mm. man that is you know i'm, I'm a cyclist so I, I do see things slower not as slow as walking but the side of the road there's got to be something out there that, of, of pictures of things people have found or just just finds, you know, there's got to be a store out there of folks that sell things that they've only found on the side of the road because it's unbelievable what you see. And you're right. That's a, that's a great way Unbel- to put it. You're right. But, you man, another one of your great adventures that I, that I love is, is Run the Line, where you where you find this old kind of the, the evidence of an old railway that, that went through your town, went through your hometown and kind of went in this area, something that people, you know, no one's probably ever thought about in 50 years. You know what I mean? And you created this entire film that's, hugely popular on YouTube about following that as close as possible, seeing the evidence of it. You know, when I, when I open my book of possible adventures right now in my life with a one-year-old with, with moving with, with just our jobs and everything, the the list of what I think adventure is or what I think most people think adventure is that that book is maybe half a page of the things I can do right now. But when you Mm. put it in the frame of what you've done with, the commute and with run the line, it's now a, a book full of possible adventures. It's incredible. And so when I watched that, I immediately thought of a, literally a railway in my hometown that I thought, I have no idea where that goes. I know it's never been used or hasn't been used in my lifetime, but that is something that I could go do one week and do this. And so I, I just, all, all that to say, I just really love the way you've done that and the, love the way you've encouraged people to think about these things that might be forgotten as a way to have really a life-changing adventure as valuable as climbing Everest, if not more so. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Mason. I think um, 
I think a lot of people, particularly the locals, a lot of locals love that because it's bought a little piece of their uh, area. You know, it's given a, a story and another breath of life in a sense. And and funnily enough, the um, the local councillor or the local government is is surveying the line again to potentially open it up as a rail trail. Now, I, I think. You know, it'd take a decade if they were going to do that. But they've the wheels are in motion, and there's a lot of people that want to make it happen. So if I was a small part of that, which I, I think I have been, you know, there's been a lot of people say, "Yep, let's open this thing up again." I think that's as a form of recreation and for people to follow this line. That's um, it's great. And you're right, the the Western world particularly, there are so many railway lines and tram lines and old wayfaring routes out there that uh, are super interesting, and they're layered up with history. And unless we go in search of these things that are becoming grown over and whatnot, they just they'll get lost, and someone will know about them, but not a lot, and um, and that's a shame. So yeah, and they're they're right for the picking for adventures. Absolutely, man. And what it does is it becomes it, it all of a sudden turns someone like me who's in a position to say, "There's only so much I can do right now." Until I start thinking about adventure in that way, then all of a sudden the world is my oyster again in this stage of life to say, there's a million things I can go do right now. I just have to look at it in that way. I mean, I could go out my back door and have some crazy adventure like you do. Just you say, I'm going to wear no shoes and try to walk to my mom's house or something that's a hundred miles away. I mean, there's just literally a million things you could start to choose from. So for you, what are some of the things you try to look for with your next project? Yeah, well, that's a good question. My, My book comes out next year. It's called The Backyard Adventurer. And in many respects, it, the manuscript is mostly done and, and that'll go off to the printers by Christmas. And um, the big wrestle with that manuscript was what is the point of adventure? You know, my PhD was about that, about uh, in many respects critiquing what adventure is, particularly in the modern era, once we once we know where gold and nutmeg is and how wide the seas are and how deep they are. Uh, so what's what's this idea of adventure now? What are we filling or fulfilling within the human psyche? And so I'm very interested in that. So when I set out now, I, I very much, it's quite, an, you know, it's very organic. And for me to actually list why I go and do things or what I'm after is, is sometimes really actually hard because I thought, you know, I kind of know what I, I'm looking for and I, it has a certain set of ingredients and look, in the most simplistic way, I think it's still got to challenge me physically. You know, I still really want to, I want to breathe hard or I want to breathe for a long time or I want to continue. My body has to be moving for a long time in many respects. And and yet, even saying that to you now, uh, it flies in the face of, uh, I recently spent a night up a tree which overlooks the house and and. I'm not even sure that was adventure, right? But it was still really fun and it was still challenging to get 10 metres up in a particular part of the tree with ladders and ropes and make it safe enough. I had to bust my ass to do it. And so, you know, they're all very different in a sense and you wouldn't necessarily be able to have a really set ingredients list for each of these things I'm doing. But, yeah, they have to be challenging. They have to be fun. I have to be really curious about what it is I'm doing. And it has to fit around my wife and my child and other life too. I can't bugger off now for months at a time. I think it's just too selfish. So, or even weeks, right? So, I've got to make these things sustainable. And uh, no doubt, it will change the older I get. I love that sleeping in a tree. That gave me. I would love to try to do that. Just just a few weeks ago, I decided to sleep on our our front porch, and 
you know, cool. no, nothing crazy, but just just laid out there with the dogs, and we all slept out there. Ended up looking at the stars all night, and it was just just a slight change of perspective, a slight stimulation of the brain, of of the emotions, of the oh man, this is a little bit uncomfortable. But it, then I'll go weeks without doing it. So so it has been very inspiring to kind of watch some of your films and kind of let that creativity sink back in and say you you don't have to go out for seventy days for two months or whatever it is to to have these life-changing experiences. You, you you can chip away at a life-changing experience one little moment every day at a time. And so with your book, Backyard Adventure, is it mostly you know talking about some of the things you've done as well as how to do, how to think this way? What, 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 what can the reader expect? Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm super allergic to making rule books or, or giving advice in a sense. I'm really, um, one, I'm pretty crap at it. And two, I'm, I'm, I sort of steer clear of it because I think people people can find out. You know, we're having a chat today because you something in my films, t- you know, tickled your fancy, and so here we are having this conversation. And lo and behold, you're you're a similar kind of character. You know, look, think of how many people would think, oh, geez, I'd like to sleep on my porch one day and look up at the stars. And and one in a hundred or one in a thousand people actually does it. So the fact that you've done that, you know, and it's just this quirky thing of dragging a mattress out or, you know, a bedroll onto your front porch and bammo, you've got yourself a really cool evening. Yeah, um, that's fine. So it's so simple to just do something so uh, invigorating, you know, or, or to give you that perspective puller. Yeah, I mean, the backyard adventure is just telling stories, and people will read those stories. And if I'm worth my salt as a storyteller, people will read the story and think, "Oh, you, you know what? I, I might have a go at that." And even if they don't, they might have just read a good story. And so, I'm not, I'm not pretending to be anything but a storyteller. And uh, and and people, and it's very easy to, to make lists and to, you know, and to say, "Okay, this bloke did this. I, I would like to do something in." in a similar way you know that you know that's that's telling them how to suck eggs if i made a list so people people are really good at, at uh, joining the dots you know um so i hope that comes across in the book i have a few rant and raves about the local council when they cut down too many trees but that's just being a bit of a greenie you know <laughs> you gotta you gotta protect the places you love you know so gotta fight for them. yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's right um you know, I, I mean, there's just so many directions we could take our conversations. You've done so many cool and interesting things. H- have you heard from anyone recently, maybe on YouTube or, or something quirky you maybe inspired somebody to do or they credit you to, to have helped inspire? Well, the yeah, it's, um, I get a, I mean, I'm only, I'm only really just starting to uh, kick into the YouTube thing and hopefully that becomes more of a thing in the next few years. But I really like the platform because it makes you accountable to your audience. You know, they've people very much vote with their feet, even though the YouTube algorithm has an awful lot to do with it. But but that in, in many respects, YouTube is only feeding an algorithm based on viewership anyway. You know, so if it, if it has a spike and it's a relatively friendly spike and people are giving it lots of likes and lots of viewing minutes per episode, that they, they bolster it. And so it tends to reward uh, you for making good content. In any case, um, I get truckloads of feedback from it, right, and it helps me think about how I shape the next film in a, in a way. So I'm influenced by that. Uh, a mile an hour where I run around my block, I've got a perfect mile-long block, and 
during my PhD when I was in lockdown for that, I was thinking, gee, I just want to be outside running and doing things. And that, that was how the idea started for a mile an hour. And that's my most popular idea and film to this point. And, and that's been copied all over the world now for charities and events. Uh, COVID's kind of shut things down a bit, but, you know, the World Wildlife Fund in the UK and um, Surf Life Saving in Australia has picked it up. Uh, they've got a few events happening, you know, and people are doing it all over the place in their street and in their towns. And <laughs> um, it's been remarkable. And I never in my wildest dreams, Mason, thought that people would take it on as a charity event or or as, a, or as anything, let alone repeat it. So yeah. that's yeah. been really that's been really endearing. I guess it's just such a format for people. I don't think a lot of people want to take on the challenge of eating beans for 40 days but uh, or or kayaking 2,000 kilometers around Africa. Like, that's inspiring, but it's unrelatable. Um, the beans challenge, yeah, I just don't think people want to do yeah, it. Right. <laughs> no, you, you smack on. You, you've nailed it. You know, you've people want a, a sort of... Uh, a skeleton of, of how to do something. That's why people uh, diet, I suppose, or they go to the gym because mm. it gives them a prescription. And a mile an hour is very prescriptive, right? You're going to run a mile an hour every hour. At the top of the hour, you're going to run around your block. And you might only do it for six hours or 12. Uh, do you make it a requirement? Not a requirement, but just like make it a part of the challenge to, to fill that with pr productivity like you did right in between the hours? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and look, and I think people have... Um, I've had so much feedback from people around the world and some of them, the, the particularly the ones that have loved it the most, like really this is, they loved it because they did things they enjoyed as well in between rather than things they think they need to, to get done. <laughs> I did mostly things I enjoyed and a few things that I thought, oh, you know, I've been putting off. But um, that was really important. You're going to have to make these things fun and and then it's sustainable. And you know what? It, you're sort of you, you're your own inspiration at the end of it and it's brilliant. I loved it. I mean, it's such great. I mean, you, 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 you've heard the accolades, so I, I won't sit here and repeat it, but it was just an amazing idea. And of course, I'm going to ask everyone to go check this out. They're extremely watchable, not too much of a time commitment. They're all under an hour and most of them a heck under half an hour. And so it, it's, uh, it, it, it's a really cool medium. And so what's, what's cool. You said you liked YouTube. I actually read the other day that, uh, that YouTube is the, the healthiest, it's the it's the most positive social media platform for your mental health because is it it isn't this constant comparison between you and someone else or constant feedback of of someone else's life it's a lot of people doing a lot of how to doing a lot of long form just just basically expressing an idea through film and and it's one of the most uplifting and positive forms of social media and so i i thought that was interesting and you're kind of confirming that with your content too yeah, well, that's a real. I'm really glad you told me that too. I, I want to be repeating that to when I have conversations with people. And I, you know what, I totally agree with you as well because you don't go to YouTube for any kind of negative content. You know, I, I know that when my and I don't want to compare and contrast in a sense, but when I'm laying next to my wife in bed, she'll she'll often be on her feed of Facebook or Insta or oh, something. Yeah. And same here. And a, and a lot of the content is news content or negative content or people have done bad things and and. and yeah, it's very much driven by because it's very it's it's easier to tell a negative story than it is a, a positive one. Um, we know that with news feeds around the world and whatnot. And so, 
Yeah, it's really good to hear that, and uh, and good on your YouTube for or for people for making it that platform. I think it's good. Yeah, no, absolutely. I spend a lot of time on YouTube, honestly, and it's. Uh, and I was getting kind of worried. I'm like, am I on YouTube too much? And and then, you know, like you said, I lay in bed and and scroll through Instagram for a little bit. I never feel good when I get off Instagram ever, no matter how positive the interaction was. I just never feel that great. It's like eating junk food or something. It was good going down, but but I just don't walk away feeling great. <laughs> With YouTube, I often walk away saying, "Well, sh- now I know how to change that in the car because I'm looking something up, or I watch something like mm. your film, and it's 20 minutes of, I mean, 20 minutes in today's world is like spending six hours doing something with how short our attention spans are. So it's almost like this meditative experience is, I mean, as corny as that sounds, watching a 25 minute film, but you know what I'm saying? It's 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 like I really get to dive into what you're doing, experience it, watch mm. it, see it, get inspired by it, and, and it fuels this creativity. And there's so many great creators on the platform. So so I encourage you, man. I'm excited for you. I think uh, I, I would venture to say, tell me if I'm wrong, but I bet just from personal experience, getting a PhD in outdoor leadership and teaching it all the time, I would bet that you weren't able to get on a lot of adventures during that time yourself. And now I imagine well, you will yeah, be able to. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, the 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 small baby is going to um, put a spanner in the works in some respects. But yeah, she's going to come right along. So we were supposed to be in the desert at the moment, doing a, a two week hike in in the Northern Territory up near um, near Uluru. But um, of course, we can't because of uh, because of COVID and all the the borders are locked. But yeah, over summer we're planning on going on a big hike for you know a couple hundred miles, and um, and she'll just be packed along, and uh, you know we'll we'll stop every ninety minutes, and she can crawl around and eat gum leaves and and explore the world, and and I and I'm really excited about that to to take our daughter on a real on a real bushwalk. It'll be just brilliant, you know. Um, and I tell you that the latest project, which I, and I look forward to being in contact with you in three or four months' time when it comes out, Mason is. I've made my wife a cabin during COVID, and uh, for the most part, she didn't know I was making it. I, I, I kept having the lie and telling her I was doing other things. But I've made her a cabin in the at the top of my my paddock and uh, or our paddock, and I told her that I was making a wood rack to dry wood and whatnot. Anyway, she wanders up one day when I spent too long up there, and lo and behold, there's a cabin. And so that's. That was self-filmed, and that's going to be a really slow burn project. As in, it's not Bo talking to the camera much. It's just you see this thing grow out of junk materials, and it was a really satisfying film project. And uh, I look forward to that coming out. And I think that speaks to what you've been talking about. It's kind of like the, the how-to of YouTube, but a story as well. And it's I'm sort of combo- with a great soundtrack. It's going to be it's going to be fun. That's exciting, Bo. And that was actually going to be one of my last questions: is you know what you got going on next and you know, and, and also for folks that don't know, man, you have you have a real passion for for n- not wasting. You hate waste, and so you you do a lot of things with reuse things, with used stuff, or just making things out of junk. And so, uh, so all that to say, man, you 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 make this idea of adventure unlike a lot of people. You make it very approachable. You make it very, um, yeah. You make it. You I can look out my backyard right now and say, there's something out here I can do that connects me with this greater world of adventure. So, so I commend you for that. And I'm excited to talk to you. I'd love to talk to you again, but, uh, we talked about your book, talked about your next projects, anything else going on? Oh, well, uh, uh, not, well, no, not, not a lot. I mean, um, 
there we should be another four to five, maybe six if I pull my finger out, uh, films out by Christmas time. So, yeah, it's just a bit of a YouTube bonanza, I hope to be, um, myself. And uh, we've got a real exciting project for next year that just got up with YouTube and Google. So um, there'll be more about that uh, in the new year. Uh, so, yeah, man, it's just going full tilt at this this idea of storytelling and, and trying to make good stories that are good for you and me and and maybe even the world, you know. So, uh, But without even trying to do that, you know, I'm not that righteous nor that perfect. <laughs> so it's just, it's just about going about my business. But... There you yeah, go. it's exciting, mate, and that's been nice chatting. Absolutely. So the Backyard Adventure is coming out March first, twenty twenty one, and it's for on presale oh now at BowMiles.com, correct? Yeah, yeah. You can go to Brio Books, the publisher, or or just any you type in Bow Miles and it'll lead to it and I'll steer you in the so you know, send me an email, heck, I'll I'll get you a copy somehow. Uh, but yeah, the pre-sales that they're, they're pretty fun. They're um they're pretty pricey to, to we don't have a US publisher yet, so they're going to be sent direct from Australia with a kangaroo postage stamp for a, a fair few bucks. But um it comes with my signature if nothing else. <laughs> there you go, brother. Well, great. Well, Bo, man, I appreciate you making some time for the Adventure Sports Podcast, and uh, feel like I talked a lot, so my apologies for that. <laughs> Didn't ask a ton of questions. But man, no, you, you did ever, a cracking job, Mason. It was nice. Oh, good man. If you're ever stateside, let me know. I'd love to go out. Go, love to go out paddling with you. I just got a kayak, so uh, we'll have to go. But all right, man. Well, until next time, keep up the great work. I'm looking forward to seeing your films. Good beard, Mason. Thanks, mate. I'll uh, chat to you down the track. Yes, sir. All right, see you, Bo. Bye. First of all. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.